All right, First John, starting at verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Thanks, Lauren. Good morning. Uh, welcome to church. My name's Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here. It's great to uh, have you join us uh, as we uh, gather as God's people to hear him speak through his word. Um, if you're new uh, to City on a Hill, uh, just a few things about how we do our preaching. Uh, this is We're back into our normal kind of pattern of working our way through a book of the Bible. So we're working our way through 1 John, and we'll kind of do that right up until Christmas. Uh, the other thing is that in terms of, uh, it'd be really great if you could have this part of God's Word open in front of you, either with one of the black Bibles that's on a chair or on your phone or your own Bible. That'd be great. Uh, I'll be referring to the passage a fair bit as we go through, and it'd be great for you to be checking that what I'm saying is what God's Word says, because the power and the authority of this moment is not in me, uh, but it's in God's Word, uh, God who speaks to us through the Scriptures. So I want you to make sure that uh, what I'm saying is uh, true to God's Word. Uh, if I go to a part of the Bible that's not the passage that we're looking at today, then I'll put up on the screen uh, to save you having to kind of flick around, um, and so those words will be on the screen. So that's where we're going, that's what we're doing. Um, I'm going to pray because it's God's work that we're involved in, and we're going to ask Him to work through His Spirit. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You so much uh, for today that we can meet together as Your people. Lord, help us to... Um, uh, have clear hearts and clear minds and clear eyes to see your word, uh, to be transformed by it. Lord, help us to know you, the God who is light, and for that knowledge to be a comfort and uh, not a discouragement. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want to let you know uh, that I know Prince, Phil- uh, Prince William. Uh, Prince William and I go way back. Uh, if you were to grab my phone and open up WhatsApp, there's a, there's a contact in there for P. Willie. That's my nickname for him. Uh, we go to the same hairdresser. Uh, you're probably wondering where I met him, but he was nine months old when his family toured Australia, and I was 18 months old at the time, and we really hit it off, and we've been close friends ever since. Now, you might be one of those really trusting people, one of those people who thinks that gullible is written on the ceiling, just up there, uh, and you might believe me. Uh, some of you looked up. <laughs> Or you might be a little bit surprised or even dubious to know that I have a, have a personal friendship with Prince William, and you'd be right to be sceptical. Uh, it's completely untrue. It's a silly claim. It's an absurd claim to think that I would have a personal friendship with the next in line to the throne. But the Apostle John, he begins this letter here with a much bigger, much bolder, much more wonderful claim than that. 
If you jump back with me, chapter 1, verse 3, uh, the second half of verse 3, John says, Our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. You see what John is claiming? John is claiming that he knows God. And not just that he knows things about God, like you could Google God and find out facts about him. No, no John claims to have a personal relationship with God, a fellowship with God, to know him with intimacy, to be in a close relationship with the one true God, to be able to share with the one who was from the very beginning. But it doesn't end there. Last week, John said also that uh, this intimacy, this fellowship, it, it can be ours as well. You can know God. You can experience God. You can have the closest of relationships with God, which is a staggering claim. It's even more outrageous than me pretending that I'm friends with Prince William, isn't it? Especially when we see what John says in verse 5 in the passage that we read today. Have a look at verse 5. Verse 5, this is the message we heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Now, see how astonishing John's claim is. He says we can be in closest relationship with the God who is light, in intimate fellowship with the God in whom there is no darkness at all. Now, to fully appreciate what John is saying here, we need to get our heads around what it means for God to be light. Because God being light, it tells us two things. It tells us something really important about God and who he is, and it tells us something very significant about ourselves. And that's pretty much the flow of the logic of this passage, and it builds to this brilliant conclusion about Jesus. Uh, But first thing, what does it mean for God to be light? Verse 5 again, This is the message we heard from him and declare to you, God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. Uh, Now, in the Bible, uh, the the image of light is quite common, uh, but John is using the image of light in two ways here. Uh, He's supplying it to God in two ways. The first is about who God is, what God's character is like. And the second is about his actions, what God does. Uh, So the first thing that John says is God is like, he's speaking about his character, his purity, his holiness. Uh, The Apostle Paul speaks about God in a similar way in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6. He says this, Paul says, God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and lives in unapproachable light. You see, God's light here, it's a reference to his holiness, uh, but also his integrity, his, his truthfulness, his authenticity, his openness, God's innate goodness. Now, it's a bit of a preacher's trick, and I'm sure you've heard it before, where the preacher asks you, I want you to imagine that your life is projected up here on the screen behind me. Every thought you've had, every action you've done, every fantasy you've entertained, every word you've said, it's all just up there for everyone to see. I don't think anyone wants us to see that, do they? But here's the thing, if it was God, if it was possible to put all of God's thoughts and feelings and actions and motivations up on the screen, we could scrutinise them all day, every day. We could run them backwards and forwards. They would be all transparently pure. There is nothing that God has done that he needs to be ashamed of or apologise for or delete from his internet history. There is not a shred of darkness in God. And we see this here, don't we? Verse 5, and God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. 
God is holy and he is pure and he is just and he is righteous. That is his character. That is what he is like. But it also tells us what God does. God is light. His actions. Uh, God being light means that he reveals things. He exposes things. He helps us see things clearly as they really are. Uh, a little while ago, I heard a story about a missionary who was the first um, kind of outsider to, 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 to go to a village. Uh, and he brought, uh, this village was completely off the grid. Uh, he brought with him an electric light, an electric lamp as a gift uh, for the village. Uh, that, it was the first electric light that had been in the village. The people were excited. They were so excited they had a party to celebrate. And so they had this big party outside. And then as it got dark, they all crowded into the big room of a prominent woman in the village uh, to watch the light be turned on for the first time. And as the lights were switched on and it flooded the room with light, uh, it was only on for a few seconds before someone screamed uh, and then quickly switched the light off and then ordered everyone out of the room. The scream came from the woman who owned the house. The light illuminated for the very first time how filthy the inside of her house was. She'd never been able to see it clearly before because there had never been light. And she was so embarrassed. That's what light does. It reveals. And sometimes what the light reveals, it isn't pretty. And so if we want to approach, if we want to have fellowship with the God who is light, with the God who is holy and who is pure, with the God who reveals things, exposes things for what they really are, well, that's going to have some challenging implications for us, isn't it? I mean, can people like you and me even come near a God who is like this? A God who dwells in unapproachable lights. Well, that's where John is going here. He says, if God is light, uh, well, then that's going to expose, it's going to illuminate some things about us. And there's three things here. Uh, each of these three things is started by this phrase, if we claim. Uh, and so the first one is, if we claim to have fellowship with God, verse 6, have a look at verse 6 there. Verse 6, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. And now here when John's talking about walking in the darkness, he means someone who's avoiding God's light, someone who is not a fan of God's holiness, a person who avoids God's revealing and exposing light. They stay out of God's light. They stay out of God's light, but yet they still want to say that they are friends with God. They avoid God's light, but they want to say that they have fellowship with him. It's the sort of person who says, you know, you, you and me, sorry, it's the person who says, me and God, we don't have any issues uh, things are fine between us. I don't have anything to worry about when I uh, die because, you know, I'm good. God's got no problem with me. And they show no interest in Jesus and they show no interest in pursuing godliness and they avoid the scrutiny and the exposing light that comes from God's word and they keep him at arm's length. His word only ever goes skin deep. And their life, it really is quite unchanged from before they said they came to know Jesus. Next week in chapter 2, verse 9, we'll see anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. You see, John's going to call that person out. He's saying, you're lying if you say you have fellowship with God and still hate others. 
You're lying if you still say you have fellowship with God, but yet still live in the darkness, avoiding his searching light. You're lying if you say that you love God and you still embrace sin. Because John is saying it is not possible to have fellowship with God and at the same time avoid his revealing light. And it's impossible because of what we see in the second claim. Uh, The second thing we see about ourselves when we realize that God is light, we realize that we are not without sin. Uh, Look with me uh, there in verse 8. Because God is light, verse 8, because God is light, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, sin, uh, rebellion from God, uh, it's not a trendy idea these days. Uh, I'm not sure it's ever really been trendy, uh, but uh, even in churches, uh, we've gone off the idea of talking about sin because it's a bit too negative, it's a bit too grim, it doesn't really draw the crowds that we're after, uh, and it's our natural tendency anyway, and we shouldn't be surprised. Uh, it's our tendency to think that we're not, not all that bad. And so we play these games in our head to justify uh, uh, why when someone's talking about sin, they're not talking about me. Uh, they're not talking about me because I can always find someone who's worse than me. And we really don't like admitting that we're sinful. But John says to do this, we're actually deceiving ourselves. Now, we can't trick God, so we're just deceiving ourselves. And this truth that God is light, it really helps us to understand the significance and the seriousness of our sin. Uh, Let me try and explain. I've got some dodgy visual illustrations behind me. Um, I remember going to a science museum in Canberra as a kid and they had this show about light and colour perception and they'd put up on the screen uh, two squares and they'd ask you to pick which is the white one. Uh, And that was easy because one was clearly white and the other was kind of a grey, dark and gloomy colour. And then they'd take it away and they'd put up another one and they'd say, now pick which one is the white one. And they'd put one that was up there's even more white than the first one. And all of a sudden you're like, hang on, the one that I thought was white before, now that looks kind of grey and gross. And, and it'd go over and over and over again. I think the last one doesn't quite work because the projector's not that great. Um, but they do it over and over and over again, uh, where each time the one that you thought was white is actually nowhere near as white as the one that they put up. Uh, it just keeps looking dark and it shows how relative our perception of white can be. And it's the same with sin. Of course, comparing ourselves to really sinful people will make us feel not that bad and maybe even trick us into thinking that we're not sinful. So go compare yourself to a bank robber or a brutal dictator or a mass murderer. Compare yourself and you're going to come off looking okay. But you go stand next to the God who is light. Go compare yourself to the one who is pure and holy and perfect. Measure yourself against the God in whom there is not a shred of darkness. And then see how white and pure and sinless you appear. If we claim to be without sin, to be pure, to be clean before God, John says we are fooling ourselves. We cannot be in fellowship with a God who is light. But John's not finished. A third and final claim in verse 10. Have a look with me there. Uh, Verse 10, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Uh, Now, this might seem uh, similar to the previous verse, uh, the previous claim, uh, but there is a small important difference here. 
Uh, the previous one was kind of generalized, oh, uh, kind of saying, oh, I'm without sin, I am not a sinner, uh, more about our sinful nature, uh, whereas this one's a bit more particular, I have not sinned uh, type of idea. It's, it's talking more about specific actions. Uh, I think it's kind of edging towards the idea of how we can justify ourselves, how we can say what we did wasn't really sin. Uh, and so uh, some of the ways we do this is by uh, renaming sins so they don't sound as bad. And so we, we take adultery and we call it a fling or an affair because that sounds a bit more playful and harmless. Selfishness can be I'm just standing up for my rights. Laziness is I just need some me time. I've got to set some healthy personal boundaries. Gossip is just sharing. Greed is I'm being financially responsible. Favoritism can easily just be called friendship. Stealing from work. Maybe that's just enjoying the perks of the job. But God is light. And under his piercing illumination, all sin will be seen for what it really is. I can remember one evening uh, before we went away on holidays, I had to mow the lawn um, and uh, it was dark and I went outside uh, uh, to mow the lawn and I got it done and I kind of crawled into bed feeling quite pleased with myself that I got all the jobs done so that we could go away in the morning and it'll be fine. The house is ready for the people to come look after the dog. Uh, That was until I got up the next morning. And in the bright morning light, I could see that my work in the darkness was actually a mess. I'd missed spots all over the lawn. There were more than a few of the kids' toys that had gone under the lawnmower. It was hopeless. And that's what the brilliance of God's goodness, of God's light does to all those actions that we do, that we justify to ourselves. Now, we might rename them. We might downplay them. We might think God didn't really mean it when he said... But in the light of God's purity, they're just sin. And we have this massive blind spot to our own sin. We can see sin in other people really well. We're very good at picking that out. But we don't see it in ourselves. Uh, Charles Wesley, he was a famous hymn writer of the 18th century. Uh, He recalled a time after he had preached at a Sunday service where a woman came up to him and in quite a cliched way said, Pastor, please pray for me. I'm a great sinner. He's not even sure that she realized the words that were coming out of her mouth because he looked at her and said, I will pray for you because you're right. You are a very great sinner. The woman was immediately kind of taken aback and had this shocked look on her face. She said, what do you mean? Who told you that? I haven't done anything wrong. Can I suggest we can all be a little bit like that? We can come to church on Sunday and the, the, the preacher says and the Bible reading says, yes, uh, we all sin, we all fall short of the glory of God and we, we dutifully nod our heads and agree. We can, we can just roll off the tongue, but we don't have any deep sense of the wrong that we've done. We don't really grasp how much we've offended the God who is light. And so we begin to think that sin is not a problem, it's not a big deal, it's definitely not my problem. Or we redefine sin for ourselves, what is sin and what isn't sin. Or we take the culture's lead and and go, well, we've moved on, and so those things that were sin are not sin anymore. But to think that, John says, that's to call the God of the universe 
a liar. That's to say, even though you said it, God, you're wrong. Or you didn't mean it. Which, when you think about it, it puts you a long, long way away from fellowship and intimacy with the God who is light. The sort of fellowship and intimacy that John says can be ours. So we're living in darkness. We're sinful both in our nature, uh, what we're like, and we're sinful in our actions and what we do, uh, which means that we are far, far, far away from the God who is light. We're out of relationship and fellowship with him, the one who in whom is, there is no darkness whatsoever. And, and, but that's not where John wants to leave us. And John doesn't want to leave us there because God doesn't leave us there. And see, this is all driving to this, this wonderful conclusion, this wonderful news about Jesus and what he has done. Uh, if you remember last week, uh, John wrote this letter to these Christians for whom a bunch of people had probably left, and he was trying to assure them Assure them that they, but by following Jesus, they are on the right track. He said in chapter 5, verse 13, he said, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. So that you may know you have eternal life. This is to assure, reassure these followers of Jesus that they are not wasting their time, that they haven't gone down the wrong path, that through Jesus they can truly know God that through Jesus they will experience his blessings and his presence in all eternity. And this passage shows us exactly what we need to do. Oh, sorry, exactly what we need is to uh, follow Jesus. We need to follow Jesus because God is light and we are not. And because God is light and we're not, Jesus has done something about that. And that's the wonderful news that's kind of been on the tip of John's tongue all the way through this passage. Uh, Come back with me to verses 7 and 9. We kind of skipped over those. You might have picked that up. Um, We skipped over those because uh, now that we've seen what it means for God to be light, we're now in a better position to appreciate what these verses have to say. And that's because these verses explain how it is possible for sinful people like you and me to have fellowship with the God who is light. Verse 7. Verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You see there how both of those verses, they mention uh, being purified through Jesus, being cleansed of all sin, being decontaminated, being rinsed of all unrighteousness because of Jesus. And it all kind of culminates in chapter 2, verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 1. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. You see, John here, he's he's describing how Jesus Christ has indeed purified us from all sin. He's done it by being an atoning sacrifice. Now, to atone for something, it means to to repair it, to fix it, to, to make it right. And that's what Jesus did as he died on the cross for us. 
Uh, when he died on the cross, what he was doing was he was sacrificing himself. He was taking our place. He was taking the punishment that we deserve because of our sinful nature, because of our sinful actions, because of the darkness that resides in all of our hearts. And Jesus takes the punishment that that deserves on himself so that we can be forgiven. So things can be repaired between us and God. So that we can be brought into the light of the God who is light. And not just that, John describes Jesus in this brilliant way. He, he describes Jesus as though he's, he's an advocate with the Father right now, speaking in our defense, advocating for us. John says uh, that uh, Jesus is saying to God the Father, uh, as God looks down on the world, Jesus is saying, that one... That one who follows me, I died for them. The price for their sin has been paid by my sacrifice. And Jesus advocates for those for whom he has died, for those who have come into his light. And what this means, particularly for those who are questioning whether following Jesus is worth it, John is saying that following Jesus is not a waste of time. Following Jesus, walking in God's light is actually the best possible thing you could be doing. You see, following Jesus is the only way you can enjoy the fellowship and the blessing of the God who is light. We can know God. We can be known by God. We can approach the God who exists in unapproachable light. And we can only do it because Jesus has once and for all dealt with sin, dealt with our darkness. And so if you trust and follow Jesus, you can be sure. You can be certain. Despite what people might say that following Jesus, uh, about, so despite what people might say to you, to follow Jesus is to walk in the light. To follow Jesus means that you are forgiven. To be following Jesus means that you are purified. Following Jesus means that you can know for sure that you have fellowship with God. And look forward to his eternal life. And so if you are a follower of Jesus today, I hope you feel the encouragement of these words. That, that was John's intention to the original readers, to, 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 to encourage them, to, to let them feel the comfort of knowing the God who is light. The encouragement of knowing that, yes, sin is a real problem, but Jesus is a real person and therefore he is a real solution to that problem. But I do need to say that if you're hearing all of this today and you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're here today and you somehow think that you're friends with God without needing Jesus, if you're here today, if you think you're a good enough person and you haven't really done many bad things and you don't really need God's forgiveness, if that's you, then I would like to say with the greatest possible respect this part of God's word says that at best, you're kidding yourself. And at worst, you're calling God a liar. Which is not a good place to be. Out of relationship with the God who is light. Out of relationship with the one for whom there is no darkness. But if that's where you're at, I really want to say... 
Jesus has done something about it. Come into the light. Come into the light of his word. Come into the light and receive the life and the assurance and the hope that can only be found in Jesus. The one who is the light of the world. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are light, that you are honest, that you are pure, that you are trustworthy, that you are faithful, that you are perfect, that you are forgiving. Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you that because of Jesus, you have purified us and that we can come before you with great confidence and ease and be at rest in your presence, knowing that we are your children who have been forgiven because Jesus has died for us. And Lord, we thank you for the assurance this brings. We thank you that this gives us uh, hope, that it gives us eternal life, that this means that we can look forward to a place with you in your new creation. And Father, in all these things, we rejoice in your son, Jesus, and his sacrifice for us. We pray all these things in his name. Amen. Uh, If the musos want to come up, uh, we're going to respond to... We're going to respond to uh, God's word by... uh, singing and this the, the the song we're going to sing is take heart it's a, it's, a, it's a song that's supposed to bring comfort uh to step into god's uh light and have our sin revealed can be an uncomfortable experience uh, but we can take heart uh, because that sin that darkness it has been washed away by jesus uh, our darkest day the shame is gone when God looks at you, he won't see sin. He won't see darkness. But he'll see the purity of his son, Jesus. So please stand as we sing together.